Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am not Paul Winkler, but we are here to talk about money and investing. I'm Evan Barnard here with Ira Work this afternoon. And uh, there's no playoff games right now. It's a little bit rainy outside. So, so sit around turn and on listen. your radio and listen to learn about some investing and financial planning over the next few hours. The uh, boy, it's been a busy investing week after kind of a the big freeze last week and things just kind of slowed down for a little bit. Well, um, the big freeze. I was in the house without heat. <laughs> That's what you were saying. Yeah, we had no heat in ha- a little bit more than half the house. Our den, living room, dining room, and kitchen. Uh-huh. Because we have split unit. So the bedrooms were heated. Let's so keep it PG. One of the guest bedrooms we is an office that uh-huh. I worked out of. Uh, another bedroom is our actual guest bedroom. And then we have the master bedroom. So we... Ate meals and watched TV <laughs> in the guest guest bedroom. I worked in the office guest bedroom. Right. And we went to sleep. There you go. Because I have to keep it clean, you said. Free, free markets work. Absolutely. And But that got fixed on, on, on Friday, so. Super. Yeah. So how was it done by you? Uh, it was good. Uh, we didn't lose any power, which was fine. Um, our chickens survived. Okay. Uh, they were still laying eggs, actually, through the whole time period. Um, and so we were thrilled about that. Now we've got a little bit of a pond in our backyard right now. But uh, but anyway, that's the deal. Uh-huh. Um, but we did close out the week uh, with a virtual American Dream experience that, uh, that had been hosted. <clears throat> and I thought we'd just start off with talking about just some of the concepts that we talk about in that. It's a two-day event. That we hold for uh, clients and non-clients if they have some guests or we have guests there. Um, and a lot of times when I'm describing it to people, I'd be interested to hear how you say that, you know, if particularly if you've been married, but even if you've done anything in what people would call the personal growth space. But, you know, if you've ever gone to a marriage retreat, the format is a little bit similar to that. There's some there's some teaching and lecture there's some sharing that goes on of people talking about their own experiences, you know, growing up around money or investing uh, things that they've done. Uh, of course, everything that's discussed in the two days is confidential. So we won't, you know, we won't share any of that kind of stuff. But um, and then there's, you know, an opportunity to do some exercises and assignments, make the American dream become something tangible mm-hmm. in your life. Uh, and and the biggest thing is it helps create community among investors uh, particularly because, you know, our message is upstream, if oh, you yeah. want to call it that. We're counter to what most of Wall Street and the bullies talk about. Um, and sometimes it's good to know there's other people out there as well, and you're not the only person that thinks Wall Street's messed up and those kind of things. Um, so it's really a powerful two days. And I just thought I'd uh, we could start off uh, today with hitting on some of the topics that we cover there. We might even sprinkle that throughout, you know, throughout a couple of hours. But how do you, how do you explain it to people? I'm kind of curious. Uh, and the difference of someone that's been working with this five or six years versus someone that hasn't become well, 10, a client 12, yet. 15 years. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Um, I talk to my clients about it or people that come in to learn more about what we do as a life-altering event around money. Yeah. Um, yeah, having spent the first 17 years of my very close now to 40-year career, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the first 17 years were more of leading the client to buy what I wanted them to buy. Right. Um, because that's where the industry trained me. And even when I worked as an independent, when I left the industry and opened up my first shop as a registered investment advisor, um, it was still selling products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Um, with the belief and the, and the conviction that you just buy these things and you'll be fine. And with the American Dream Experience, what we're talking about is a lot of, you know, two different aspects when it comes to investing. Mm -hmm. One aspect being the emotional, mental, intellectual part of our own brain. Yeah, just kind of the brain science around that. Uh Uh-huh. And then the other part being the academic evidence Mm -hmm. for successful investing. And one of the things I like to say to my clients or when they first come in, you know, I'm doing this long enough to know and the work that we do now at this company has been my sole purpose for 23, 24 years now. Yeah. It's the only thing I do. And that is coach and educate and work with investors to help them achieve peace of mind and confidence Mm -hmm. when it comes to their investments. Um. So there, there's two aspects and what I tell people when I sit down with them for the first time and we're looking at their portfolio and before I even do the very first analysis, mm-hmm. should they, in the discussion, uh, should they decide they want to continue in this particular process that we have, right. which is a, a foundation of education, mm-hmm. I can look at a portfolio and really have an idea where all the pitfalls are. Sure. Of the portfolio itself. Right. Just like my mechanic can listen to my car and they've done it 30 years and can say what's going on. Exactly. So I tell them, look, I can fix this for you. And even if I fix this portfolio, if you really don't have an understanding of Mm -hmm. basic knowledge then it's very easy when you hear other stuff going on or your portfolio isn't performing like certain particular areas of the market. And I'll use the S&P 500 as an example. Right. If that's the best area, and that is really what's talked about on TV and radio by most talking heads. Oh, for sure. If that's the best area to be in, and that gets 15%, and your truly diversified portfolio only gets 11, unless you understand what you really have, you're going to be disappointed. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So I tell people when we talk, I talk to them about the American dream that this, is, this workshop, this two day event, and it is an event. Yeah. And I've been to those marriage retreats, uh-huh. uh, another event. It takes a lot of work. Um, it, if you can understand the brain science 
Right. And the attacks that all these firms have mm-hmm. against what you're thinking is and what your natural mind is actually geared for, mm-hmm. which is not investing. It's and, geared survival. Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe we'd hold that over to another segment. We can. <laughs> um, and then it, when you have this understanding about the, the mind over money, yeah, which is one of the work, one of the sessions, mind over money. Once you understand that, then you're. It's much easier to understand the academic stuff and how a portfolio is built. Right, and then you learn about time horizons for a particular mix of stocks and fixed income. Yep. Whether it's fifty percent stocks or seventy-five percent stocks. And there are going to be different time horizons. So that all becomes much easier to understand. Yeah. And when you put them together, you know, you're not going to most likely um, not have questions. You're going to probably still have questions. I still have questions. And I do too. (laughs) Um, You know, kind of like, you know, when I studied the Bible, the longer I've been studying it, the more I realize I need to study more. I'm just confused at a much (laughs) higher level. Right. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is taking the client through this process to develop peace of mind and confidence around their investments. And it really, really, truly does start with discovering your purpose yeah. for the money. Yep. And, and, and I think it'd be helpful to, ca- to have an example of what that looks like and you know, if we're talking about just say the, you know, the conversation around starting to, you know, I want to have, if I don't have purpose for my money, I'm never going to have enough. If I do have purpose for my money, I'll always have enough. Now you may have, you know, you may live that purpose very differently if you have a bigger bucket than a smaller bucket. But, you know, a lot of times we, we grow up or somewhere in your background, you've heard this phrase, money can't make you happy. Or money can't, or you've maybe even said to your kids, you know, money can't make you happy. But why doesn't money make us happy? You know, in the absence of purpose, you know, we do, we talked about survival, uh, you know, just a second ago or mentioned it. And, you know, there's a concept that we teach clients called a destructive cycle of wealth. And, you know, we do start out, phase one is, is survivorship stress, you know, back in the day, if there was more people on the other side of the hill with spears and swords than your, you know, your clan, that was a real problem. And so, you know, we do have this survival thing and we do have basic needs of, you know, food, shelter, clothing, and so forth. But those are relatively easy to meet at a basic standard. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, I don't just want to shelter. I want to shelter with a guest bedroom <laughs> or a shelter with two bathrooms Instead of one, you know, in a patio or whatever. And so that leads to phase two of human wants. And, you know, as we go through this, there's nothing wrong with wanting stuff for that sake. You know, there's a lot of things that we have that I could probably, I I could definitely live without. And I enjoy them, but I don't get them because they make me happy. Right. You know, so you have this survivorship and then human wants. And then eventually we get it. Phase three is obtaining something. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk through an example just to, you know, to tie that up when we go through here. But we get it and we're happy. Phase four, I'm really excited that I got it. 
I'm, you know, I'm relieved. Wow. Okay. I've finally, you know, met that goal, got that car, moved into that house, whatever it is, got the ninth pair of shoes, <laughs> depending on what, what someone's looking for. But very quickly, we start comparing in phase five of, well, I got that, but somebody else has one that's, you know, nicer, bigger, faster, you know, it's in a different neighborhood, closer to work or for, you know, closer to the country, whatever. And all of a sudden I'm back to that survivorship stress of I'm still worried about the person with more spears coming over the hill and that happiness wears off. The joy that you got from obtaining that thing is very short lived. Looks like you're getting ready to say something. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I can, I, I can share a little bit about, you know, the money doesn't buy happiness thing. Sure. Um, yeah, I remember when I was um, separated, going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't want that divorce. Um, and I, you know, I remember coming home one evening and having a conversation with my mom. And you know, she was, you know, she lives in Florida, so we were on the phone a lot during that that period of, of my life. Yeah. And I was, and I said to her, I now understand the saying, "Money can't buy happiness." Yeah. I said, I can walk into any store, pretty much buy whatever I want. You know, I can't go into Ferrari and buy one of those. <laughs> but, you know, a new shirt, a new suit, you know, go to a movie, go out to dinner. Right. Pretty much do whatever I want. And I would do what some people would call retail therapy. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the mall and I would buy some stuff. And a few hours later, after I was home, it was like I'm back in the same doldrum that I was in. Yeah, still going through that trying situation. Right. Yeah. Because it... Didn't buy happiness. Um, you look at some very, very wealthy people. Um, and I always say, if money bought happiness, the people in Hollywood should be the happiest people in the world. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, six months working on a film, make $20 million. I mean, I'd be pretty happy, <laughs> maybe. But you think about John Bellucci. Right. Michael Jackson. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Money doesn't buy health. No. Okay. Steve I Jobs, mean, good example of that. Right. I mean, there was a guy, and I used him as my example. If, if money could buy health, Steve Jobs would still be alive. Right. If yeah. money could buy health, Robin Williams would have gotten over his depression. Mm-hmm. More recently, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. He would have been able to find fix the cancer. So... Two things, everyone, you know, everyone's working you know, with what are we working for? Mm-hmm. Why are we spending so much time if money doesn't buy health and money doesn't buy happiness? And when you, you know, you think about yeah. it, you spend more time in your office, most likely, I know I do, than I spend in my house. Yeah. Well, I sleep at home, so. Well, all right. So <laughs> waking let me re- hours. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> waking hours, anyway. Right. Yeah, you spend more I'll give time you that awake in your office <laughs> than awake in your house. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so it doesn't buy happiness. Now, to go into the destructive circle of wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's. I'll, I'll skip phase one because it. You know, as you mentioned, survivorship bias. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about phase two: human wants. Yeah. I remember all I wanted was a two-seat Roadster convertible car. Mm-hmm. And I finally got my little two-seat Roadster convertible car. Mm-hmm. And I was happy. You know, I, I hit phase three. I attained 
my car. Yep. And I was happy driving around, moving into stage four, relief and exuberance, you know, was looking for, you know, just looking around, you know, attained it, relief, not have to think about that new car. Mm -hmm. And then one night, Elaine and I were walking out of a restaurant. And in front of the restaurant was a convertible Bentley. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have that puny little car. <laughs> it's really right. not. I mean, it's a nice car. Yeah. But it's not that car. Yeah. Phase five, comparative analysis. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't go into the survivorship stress. I got to have it. I want to compete with her. I didn't do it. I was able to just deal with that. <laughs> Recognize I was in this destructive circle. Exactly. And I think that's what most people that don't have a purpose, that's the circle they're living in. Yep. You know, my son had asked me one day, like, Dad, do you ever think that you, you'll buy a Ferrari? And I said, you know what? I have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I believe you work hard, you make the money, you know, play hard. But yeah. I don't begrudge people making a ton of money. Yeah, the concept is not against things. Right. right. It's not against things. I'm all about having things. Toys and cookies, right? Is that what <laughs> we call it? Toys and cookies. Toys and cookies, yep. Um, but I said to him, there is so much more that I could do yep. with that type of money that would actually help fulfill my purpose for my, what I believe is my purpose for my money. Mm-hmm. Um and that's really what I want to do. Yeah. The, the uh, great story. We're going to take a uh, short break here and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up on some of uh, the purpose conversation. And I'll give an example of the cycle of wealth uh, and why we don't. Uh, again, money is not bad. It's a great thing to use. It's a tool, but it isn't what gives us joy and happiness. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning, tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And welcome back to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Evan Barnard here with Ira Work this afternoon. Uh, Going back to, uh, I want to give an example uh, of this destructive cycle of wealth and how that plays out. And this is just something, I I like how you said it last segment of, it's something to be aware of. It's not that it's good or it's bad. It just exists. And, you know, we've, we've led that workshop a few times and certainly participated I don't know. We've probably been through about 20 American uh, Dream experiences at this point. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is even teaching it, <laughs> even listening to it, uh, I had an example. This would be during COVID. 
actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, travel is a big thing for my wife and I. And, you know, we don't have lots of toys. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a car guy. Our son is the car guy in the family. Uh, I just want it to run <laughs> when I, when I start to head to work in the morning and, and you know, and uh, I want to sit on my living room couch going down the freeway. That's my goal for a vehicle, but travel is our thing. And you couldn't go anywhere <laughs> during COVID. And so that was really constraining. So we started looking at campers and thought, okay, well, you know, we don't have to wear a mask in a camper. We can just go, you know, to a park, you're outdoors and, you know, just relax, but we can at least get out of town. And, you know, so we started looking at these, you know, uh, motorhomes and uh, we found one. Uh, I was actually, this is interesting. I was actually out in Scottsdale at an American Dream Experience. And we got a text from the salesperson that we'd been talking with. He says, hey, I think I found one that fits the bill. Sent me the images, you know, like like when you're looking at a house or car online, you see the 32 standard pictures of mm-hmm. the odometer and the wheels and stuff. And so we went to look at it when we got back in town. And it was really everything we were looking for. You know, had a slide out and, you know, it wasn't too long. Um, you know, had... It actually had two bathrooms. I didn't even know a camper could have two bathrooms. It's pretty cool. And before we had even bought it, before we made an offer on it, we're standing there in this camper and we're looking out the window like, wow, there's this 40-foot diesel <laughs> right next door to this thing. And man, that's really, that's got a dishwasher, honey. You know, that, all this and, you know, bigger stairs. And you know, we went through the cycle of wealth and we hadn't even purchased the camper yet. We're like, we're already thinking we're not going to be the longest one in the park, you know. And so it's just something to be aware of. But very quickly, that awareness got me back to why are we buying the camper? It's not the camper that's going to make us happy. It's the fact that Cindy and I are going to be able to spend 72 hours, you know, away from distractions and enjoying God's creation and so forth. Those relationships, now that can make you happy. Mm-hmm. And money is just a tool to use in, you know, in the process of relationships. So again, it's not th- uh, that things are bad. We didn't end up getting that. We did end up getting the camper. The, the and one love that it. you were standing in? Or the yeah, the, the one we were, st- yeah, the one we were standing in. Thank you. Um, and it's been interesting. Everywhere we have camped, there have always been numerous campers that are bigger than ours. And it's just not a big deal. We're, we're doing exactly what we want to do. And, you, you know, where you kind of win that game is breaking out of the comparative analysis cycle and just, hey, I'm still with Cindy. We could probably be in a VW bug in a pup tent and we'd still probably be having about the same amount of fun. Uh, till it came time to wash her hair, and then she'd probably rather have a camper than <laughs> put her head in the creek or something like that. Yeah, you know. And so, um, thinking about the American Dream experience and purpose, you know, we all kind of have this relationship already with money. And what do we mean? Not that you love money or you hate it, not that kind of a thing. But uh, you've probably grown up hearing phrases, you know, like you know. These would be possible relationships That's right. that one could have. Yeah. And as we you know, maybe discuss a few of them, you might have one or two of these relationships. Or all of them at some point in your life. Yeah. Right. The, uh, you know, but just a kind of a common phrase, money is evil. You know, you've maybe heard that phrase or that may even be your possible relationship to money right now. 
And, you know, given given the location of where we are and broadcasting from, you know, Scripture's pretty clear. It's the love of money that's evil, not money is evil, just to clarify that for whoever's driving around. But, um, you know, but that's a common belief or a relationship someone has. So uh, I'll ask you, Ira, if if your frame of reference around money is money is evil, how excited are you going to be to invest and grow a portfolio for retirement, right? Well, I might not even want to go to work. Yeah. If money yeah. is evil, because if I'm working, I'm getting paid. Yeah. And why would I want to work for that thing that causes me, you know, to, to, to get something that's evil? Yeah. Other than, you know, maybe going and working a job that provides me with just enough money to get by. Right. Yeah. But I'm not going to try to grow any wealth. Yeah, because I don't want to be evil. Or I don't want people to think I'm evil. Yes. As, you know, as, who, yeah, another good one. Right? Who, who did I have to take advantage of to achieve this kind of wealth? Yep. Um, if that, you know, that could be for some people. Yeah. Um, another one is never enough. Right. Money's never enough. You know, it's the workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, they was asked the question, well... How much is enough? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, I think it was Getty. I think it was J. Paul Getty. Um, and his answer was, more. <laughs> right. <laughs> more, is, more is better. <laughs> if, uh, if a two-egg omelet's enough, three eggs is uh, now that's the good omelet. Right. The, uh, yeah. And, you know, there's two sides to this coin. Um, sometimes people have a fear of failure. And they all, you know, at different times, the same person might have a fear of success. Um Heard a good uh, a good story from uh, someone that was going through this a couple years ago, and uh, and it was another coach actually uh, that was uh, sharing this. And you know they were they had been doing well, but they had this opportunity to do better, and they were concerned that well, if I if I succeed at this new venture, my you know my bum brother in law is going to want to be borrowing money. And then, you know, this per family member is going to want to take advantage of me and, you know, those kind of things. And so how you view money and how you view people's identities around money, it does affect a lot more of your decision making than you think. Not, you know, in this whole conversation, the context ultimately is investing, but money covers, you know, affects almost every area of our life. Just, you know, food, clothing, shelter. Uh, it's a part of a lot of decisions. What job I take, what school I go to, what school can we afford for our son or daughter? You know, it it impacts a lot of stuff in life. Yeah, and, and because of that, it's a very emotional thing that yeah. that we have. And I say the three biggest uh, forms of emotion that we deal with is number one, our family. Mm-hmm. You know, your child gets sick, your parent gets sick. You know. Right. Uh, secondly is our health. I mean, I remember how emotional it was for me and my wife when I was diagnosed with cancer right. three years ago. Yeah. You know, and the third is our money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one possible relationship that you can have with money is the fear that you'll run out of it one day. Mm-hmm. You know, and how are you going to pay the electric bill? Let's assume your house is paid off if you're retired. But how are you going to pay the electric bill or how are you going to yeah. buy food And if your money runs out? Right. So that can become a relationship that you have to money itself. Yeah. Um, 
another one, and you hear this one touted a lot, uh, especially now that we're in an election cycle, is we have to get the rich to pay their fair share. <laughs> okay? Right. It's not fair that I have to pay so much money in taxes. It's yeah. not fair that he has or she has so much more money than I have. So that can become a relationship that you think about money and it's always, it's not fair right? Uh, because of how hard you work. You know, I remember my son asking me about being successful. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it take to be successful? And I said, well, if you're thinking about it in, from the form of money, uh, and this, this is how long ago the conversation was, mm-hmm. unless you're Bill Gates, yeah. there's somebody richer with more money than you. <laughs> right. You know, I read a headline today. Elon Musk is not the richest man in the world again. Okay, yeah. Because Tesla just announced um, EV sales are slowing down. Thank yeah. God. The uh, and you know, as we as we close out this segment, here's here's what I want to leave you with: is money is useful, and this is you know this has kind of been a, a little bit of a heavy segment, but that's why we are so passionate about making sure that. The money that you do create, the money that you do invest, is working as hard for you as possible and taking a lot of the emotional constraints out of that problem, you know, out of that situation so that you don't make a mistake and start to fall prey to these things. And so we'll get into the positive side of investing. And when you overcome this, you actually can be relaxed about volatility, relaxed about an election, and you're not worried about all of that stuff. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.